Will I be accepted? It's not the kind of question that sits there on the forefront of your mind, but it lurks down in the depths and you only notice it rise to the surface when the occasion calls for it. Will I be accepted? I suppose it begins on the playground. There's a group of kids playing some game on the jungle gym and you wonder if I ask to join in, will they let me play in their reindeer games? Will I be accepted? Perhaps you can remember it bubbling up to the surface during middle school gym class. Oh, middle school gym class. <laughs> You're standing out on a field and the captains are picking their teams and, and there's a game of kickball that's about to begin and you wonder, am I going to be chosen for one of those teams? Am I acceptable? And in adolescence, it only accelerates Will I be invited to that party, welcomed into that clique, chosen for that part in the school play, selected to sing that solo, good enough for the first string, smart enough for the National Honor Society? Will I be found acceptable? And of course, it just continues on into adulthood. Will I be accepted into that college? Will I be invited to join that fraternity or that sorority? If I ask that girl out, will she turn me down? Will I get that job? Will I get that promotion that I've been hoping for? Will I be found to be acceptable? I find that even those who claim not to care about such things, even they still have that universal human question deep down inside. Will I be accepted? Then, of course, there's the ultimate question of acceptability. Will I be accepted by the one who made me? When I draw my last breath, will, will I be found to be acceptable? It's not a question that's fixed in the forefront of our minds, but make no mistake about it, down there, deep inside, it's a question that begs to be answered. Jesus once told a parable about two men, one who thought himself to be acceptable and another who knew that he was not acceptable to God, but there's a surprise at the end. When the parable concludes, Jesus declares one of the two men to be acceptable and the other to be unacceptable, but just like the ending in a good whodunit, it's not who you might at first think. The parable opens with Jesus taking us into the temple in Jerusalem. It's the most holy place in all of Judaism. Both a Pharisee and a tax collector come in to pray. As for the Pharisee, well, if the church were a fraternity or a sorority, then the rush committee would be falling all over themselves to try and get this guy in for membership. After all, the leaders of the congregation are going to love this Pharisee. He's respectable and upstanding. He's not the sort of person to put up with any kind of nonsense. The treasurer is going to love him as well. He tithes. He gives 10%. Just imagine if you could fill a whole church with persons who gave 10% of everything they receive. Why, I imagine you could, could double, triple, or quadruple the budgets of some churches. 
The treasurer is going to love this guy. So the leaders love him, the treasurer will love him, and the clergy are going to love him as well because he shows up for worship every time the doors are open. He knows God's word inside and out. Sure, he might not be the life of the party, but, but you won't have to worry about him stirring up any trouble or causing a problem. In short, this Pharisee is the sort of person who belongs in the temple there in Jerusalem. If there's anyone who's acceptable to God, surely it would be him. But then you got this other guy. I don't know where to begin with this other guy. It's almost impossible for us here in the 21st century to appreciate just how despicable this tax collector would have been to every person who was listening to Jesus tell this parable. The only way for us to get there is to, to use our imaginations because you see, none of us, I dare say, have ever lived in a time or a place where our home nation has been held under the thumb of a cruel, occupying nation. To get into the hearts and minds of the original hearers, you've got to imagine that some godless foreign nation has conquered our nation You've got to imagine there's soldiers patrolling our streets, but not to keep us safe. No, they're there to protect the interests of the occupying government. In fact, there's a good chance that if one of those soldiers is bored or irritated or just having a bad day, he's likely to take it out on you or someone you love in unspeakable ways. And now imagine that this occupying force has started hiring some of your neighbors to collect their taxes. People you've known, people you grew up with. And worse than that, these neighbors, these tax collectors have been authorized to line their own pockets by extorting you. And you pay whatever they demand. Because you know if you put up a fuss, they will respond Ooh, I'd, I'd hate to have to get the soldiers involved. Why don't you just pay the bill and we can keep this quiet? They're turncoats. They take your hard-earned money and they turn it over to their superiors who use it to fuel the machinery of the occupying force. Your money is paying the salaries of the soldiers who are holding you under their boots. If there's one face that you don't ever want to see in the temple, it's the face of the tax collector. A face you've known since childhood when you played together in the streets, but those childhood memories are long gone. And if the tax collector has the gall to step foot in the temple, whew, it'll take a force of God to keep your blood from boiling over into some act of violence. If there's anyone who would be unacceptable to God, it's this tax collector. He doesn't belong in the temple. And yet, that's precisely where Jesus puts him. Along with this Pharisee. And both men begin to pray. And as they pray, a window begins to open for us into their hearts. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, 
God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Back in the 80s and the 90s, there was a certain type of commercial that came on, and each of these commercials ended with a blue screen and a 1-800 number across the top where you could call and place an order for the item that had just been advertised. I can remember one such commercial advertising a greatest hits of country music. And every time the commercial came to a close and that blue screen came up with a 1-800 number, a song by Mac Davis played in the background that could well be the theme song for this Pharisee. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. <laughs> to know me is to love me. I must be a heck of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. Now, I suppose you could argue that what this Pharisee says is a prayer of sorts. After all, it does begin with the word God. But it does seem that once he's gotten that formality out of the way, he, he moves on to other things, namely his accomplishments. And there's a whole stream of eyes as this Pharisee begins to recite his resume. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. I, 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 I. If this Pharisee were presented with a question, Pharisee, are you acceptable to God? He's likely to have replied, well, just look at my works. Surely a man like me would be acceptable to God. I'm not as bad as that other guy. Now, it would be easy for us to slip into becoming judgmental Pharisees of this Pharisee and his ridiculous prayer. It would be easy for us to look down our noses in judgment on him. But friends, what we are being shown here is the prayer of a man who's lost. This is the prayer of a man who thinks that God's acceptance is a thing to be earned by his good works or his good behavior. What Jesus is showing us is the heartbreaking prayer of a man who does not know the God he claims to worship. There's no gratitude for the grace and goodness of God. There's no awareness of God's mercy or, or forgiveness or of his need for such things. No, in this Pharisee's prayer, we find only two things. A man who's laying out his good works to convince himself, and I suppose to convince God, that he's acceptable on the basis of those works. And we find contempt for other people. I thank God that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector who has the audacity to show his face in the temple. Friends, you see, self-righteousness and contempt always go hand in hand. Wherever there is self-righteousness, there will be contempt. 
Wherever there is contempt, there will be self-righteousness. And both are a sign that a person is lost. Going back to verse 9, Luke tells us on the front end that this is why Jesus told the parable in the first place. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, that is, acceptable to God, and they treated others with contempt. Hearing this Pharisee pray as he does, it's not difficult to imagine that his, one of his favorite sayings was probably something along the lines of, you know, I don't suffer fools gladly. Friends, if you've ever said such a thing about yourself, then this is the sort of parable that will send a shiver down your spine. The Pharisee trusted in himself and he held others in contempt and he was completely and totally lost. Well, the Pharisee isn't the only one who's praying in the temple that day. Over in some obscure corner, off in the dark, off on his own, we see the tax collector making a fool of himself. Because no self-respecting man would, would beat his chest like this tax collector is doing. And then there's his prayer, so pedestrian, so simple, so unrefined, so from the depths of his heart. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A simple sentence, that's all, it's, all it is. A subject, a verb, and an object. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Or to translate it more fully, God, your heart is gracious and merciful. Please, I'm begging you, please, Provide a sacrifice that will satisfy your anger that I completely deserve. Please make a way for me to be acceptable to you because I can't do it. If this tax collector had a theme song, it would be that song that was written by Chris Christofferson, but you probably know the version, if you know it, uh, that was sung by Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash sang this song, and he said he thought it was written for him. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown? Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it. So help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now that I know that I've needed you, so help me, Jesus. My soul's in your hand. Friends, the tax collector sees God for who he truly is a God of mercy, a God who delights to forgive, a God who suffers fools gladly if only they will turn their hearts to him. After a short and simple prayer, Jesus concludes the parable with these sobering words. 
I wonder if we recognize just how heavy a thing it is that Jesus is saying. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified, that is, acceptable to God, rather than the other. Throughout the Old Testament, God often describes the prayers of his people in terms of how they smell. It's sort of a strange thing if you think about it, but, but it's this earthly image. Some prayers are fragrant, a fragrant offering to God, but some prayers are like a stench in his nostrils. The other day I was going into the parish house through the back door and one of our nursery workers I could see was coming down the hallway. She had a garbage bag in her hands and as she got closer she said, hold your nose, this bag is full of diapers. If you catch so much as a whiff, it will burn your nostrils. So I held her advice and I, or took her advice and held my nose. Friends, it's not that this Pharisee is just a little off course. No, his prayers and the posture of his heart are offensive to God. They are an affront to God. His prayer leaves a stench in God's, nost God's nostrils. I tell you, the tax collector went down to his house acceptable to God, accepted by God, but this Pharisee did not. Three applications for us today. First, the God we worship is a God of mercy. He always delights in prayers of a humble heart from a person who knows him. So friends, if you have never prayed a prayer from your heart, a prayer that says, Lord, I, I need you. I know that I'm not acceptable on my own, but I also know that you delight in making your people acceptable through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. So please do that for me. Friends, if you have never prayed a prayer like this tax collector, then today is your day. A day for you to go home in the confidence that God answers your prayers for mercy. He delights in it. You can pray the prayer of the tax collector in the, in the few seconds that it takes you to, to go down to the altar or to come to a station and put your hands up. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Second, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see any spirit of self-righteousness in your heart. That is, Holy Spirit, I want to be acceptable to God. I want to be like this tax collector, not this Pharisee. So please open the eyes of my heart and show me when, where, and how I'm trying to justify myself. When, where, and how I'm trying to earn your acceptance through my, my good works and my behavior. Cleanse me of all self-righteousness that I might receive your gracious Christ-righteousness like that old hymn put it, a hymn we just sang. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. 
So Holy Spirit, show me any self-righteousness that I might repent and receive a Christ righteousness. Third, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart and show me when, where, and how I treat others with contempt. Father, you, you suffered fools gladly. You suffered this fool gladly. You suffered me when you sent your son to die for me on the cross, so please grant me the grace to be like you. Show me, Lord God, any spirit of contempt within me that I might repent and have my heart changed. Pray a prayer like the tax collector. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any self-righteousness. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any contempt. So that having humbled yourself to God, my friends, you might go down to your house today justified, accepted, acceptable. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. If there be any here today who have not yet prayed a prayer like this tax collector, I pray Holy Spirit you would move in their hearts to pray such a prayer today. And show us, we pray, any spirit of self-righteousness or contempt that dwells within us, grant us the grace to repent of it, that our hearts might be changed into your likeness. For we ask these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, 
and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole state of Christ's church and the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray your blessing on our home and world missions, for Low Country Pregnancy Center, for Star Gospel Mission, for Water Mission and the Global Water Center, and for our mission partners in Haiti, Honduras, Rwanda, and Uganda, for the unreached and those areas across the world where people are persecuted for their faith. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Lord, we ask that you place your healing hand upon Arthur Applegate, Jean Carlton, Walker Crosby, Lydia DiPaolo, George Rawling Evans, Sally Fayard, Elizabeth Flowers, Mary Forbes, Zelfia Galantis, Robert Gould, Susan Heminger, Molly Hughes, Robert Johnson, Susan Keenan, Robert Kaiser, Jean Martini, John Murray, Mary Jane and Kenneth Nichols, Bill Phillips, Libby Leland Puckett, Valerie Royard, Fran Sanders, Sidney Severance, Pete Spear, Margaret Swanson, Judy Vandeford, Lindsay Wing, and Harrison Woods. And Father, we also commend to your gracious care and keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad, especially Becca Baird, Chris and Julia Beasley, Graham Blunt, Henry Clayton, Ben Collier, David Dottridge, Eric Gaines, Morgan and Mason Herring, Andrew Kane, Quinn Kane, Ori Carrison, Fraser Colts, John Mason, Zach McFadden, Philip Middleton III, Jackson Miller, Edward Pritchard, Nathaniel Rawlings, David Scott, and John Self. Defend them day by day with your heavenly grace. Give them courage and grant them a sense of your abiding presence wherever they may be. Give to the departed eternal rest. We grieve with and pray for Molly Coleman and family on the death of her husband, Chisholm Larkin Coleman, on September the 28th. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Almighty God, to whom our needs are known before we ask, 
Help us to ask only what accords with your will. And those good things which we dare not or in our blindness cannot ask, grant us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life to the honor and glory of thy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all those who with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a true saying, and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the perfect offering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Peace with you. Good morning and God's peace to you on this Lord's Day and welcome to St. Philip's, the only church in town where the priest offers karaoke from the pulpit. In all seriousness, welcome. We're delighted to have you with us today. If you are visiting with us, we are, offer a special welcome to you and those of you who are joining us via the live stream, welcome to St. Philip's. Uh, the announcements can be found in your bulletin, really just a few things to bring to your attention. Uh, one is the ECW Fall Dinner is going to take place this Tuesday, October the 18th at 6 p.m. Unfortunately, registration is full for that event. However, you can still catch it via the live stream 
and the information about that is available in your bulletin. And if you would still like to hear the speaker for that occasion, Valerie Elliott Shepard, there is still an opportunity to do that on Wednesday, October the 19th at 10 a.m. in the parish hall where she will be addressing parents and grandparents. So a great opportunity uh, if you cannot get signed up for the fall dinner to come and hear a wonderful speaker on Wednesday, October the 19th. The only other announcement is a reminder that Brian McGreevy's class on C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce, will remain in recess this week and resume Wednesday, October the 26th at 7.15 in the parish hall. Uh, most of you probably know that Brian had some eye surgery and he is in the process of recovering from that. He got a good report from the doctor, but we thought that discretion was the better part of valor and he should stay home through this weekend, but he'll be back in the office at least part-time this week and plans to be teaching his class on October the 26th. So keep him in your prayers for that continuous healing. And now, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is very meet, right, and our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, All glory be to the Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, for that Thou, of Thy tender mercy, didst give Thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made there, by His one oblation of Himself once offered, a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, and that institute and in his holy gospel command us to continue a perpetual memory of that his precious death and sacrifice until his coming again. For in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Wherefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, According to the institution of thy dearly beloved Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, we, thy humble servants, do celebrate and make here before thy divine majesty with these thy holy gifts which we now offer unto thee, the memorial thy Son hath commanded us to make, having in remembrance his blessed passion and precious death, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, rendering unto thee most hearty thanks 
or the innumerable benefits procured unto us by the same. And we most humbly beseech thee, O merciful Father, to hear us, and of thy almighty goodness vouchsafe to bless and sanctify with thy word and Holy Spirit these thy gifts and creatures of bread and wine, that we, receiving them according to thy Son, our Savior Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. And we earnestly desire thy fatherly goodness mercifully to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, most humbly beseeching thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. And here we offer and present unto thee, O Lord, ourselves, our souls, and bodies, to be a reasonable, holy, and living sacrifice unto thee, humbly beseeching thee that we and all others who shall be partakers of this holy communion may worthily receive the most precious body and blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, be filled with thy grace and heavenly benediction, and made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. And although we are unworthy through our manifold sins to offer unto thee any sacrifice, yet we beseech thee to accept this our bounden duty and service, not weighing our merits, but pardoning our offenses through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, all honor and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, world without end. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Almighty and ever-living God, we most heartily thank Thee for that Thou dost feed us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of Thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and dost assure us thereby of Thy favor and goodness towards us, and that we are very members in corporate in the mystical body of Thy Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through hope of thy everlasting kingdom. And we humbly beseech thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with thy grace, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be upon you this day, and remain with you always. Amen.
Let us go forth in peace to love and serve the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.